0: Well, good morning, church, on this Lord's Day, the 29th of March, it's a joy to be with you, and I'm going to address an issue today that I think is very pertinent, and we'll cover it again next Lord's Day on Palm Sunday, which is the issue of anxiety. Anxiety can be defined as the, the following, is the unease or worry regarding an uncertain outcome or it is general uneasiness and dread and let me just say that in this context of the coronavirus and all the attendant issues we have reasons for anxiety. I think of our seniors in high school and college who are going to forfeit an incredibly important event in their life in the next few weeks. I think of those who are have been planning on being married in the next few weeks and how this has to be rearranged of travel and plans, not to mention the economic outlay and the issue of ongoing concern about health. So so what I'm saying is we have reasons for anxiety. And I want to say this morning that this sermon is about how to address anxiety, not conquer anxiety. I don't think we ever conquer anxiety till we get to heaven. I think issues and periods of anxiety will hit us like the waves of a sea. And we have reasons to be people who are anxious. But I'm going to go to 1 Peter. As Peter is writing to a church that's going into a persecution, a minority church, and he talks about how to address the issue of anxiety. And he says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, he says, under the mighty hand of God that in proper time he may exalt you. So he says, humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God, so that in a proper time or in due time, he may exalt you. I'm going to mention two ways to address anxiety today with some application. The the, the first way we address the issue of anxiety is this. We humble ourselves before the Lord under the mighty hand of our God. And part of that is as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we acknowledge our creatureliness, that we are made in the image of God and that we serve before the living God who is eternal. The passage here says under the mighty hand of God. And mighty hand harkens back to the Old Testament where the Lord says in Exodus 3 to Moses, I will bring out my people with a mighty hand. And then in chapter 32 Moses quotes it back to God. He says, God, you promised to bring out your people with a mighty hand. Twice in the book of Deuteronomy refers to God bringing out his people with a mighty hand. And then in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, the same concept, a mighty hand. So when Peter uses this terminology in these words, he's referring back to a God who acts gloriously in history. And as I acknowledge my creatureliness, we go back to chapter 1. So as I, as I understand that I am a child of God, this is what it says. In verse 13, it says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. And how do you do that? Verse 14. He says, as, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the empty way of life handed down to you. He says, you're obedient children. And then he says, you serve before, you live before the Abba Father, you call out to him, Abba, Father, who judges impartially. And not only is he the Abba, Father, who loves you, he says in verses 18 and following, he is the ransoming lamb of God who died on the cross for your sin. So as I acknowledge my dependence upon the Lord, I say he's my Abba, Father. He's the ransoming king who died on the cross for my sins. His name is Jesus Jesus. He is the one that I am to worship and to adore. So, so, so when these waves of anxiety hit you, and they will hit you, just stop and, and say out loud, let me just say out loud, you are my God. You call me to be an obedient child. I'm your child by faith. 1 Peter 1, verse 14. I call on you as my father. 1 Peter 1, Verse 16. You are my ransoming Savior who died on the cross for my sin. Verses 17 to 19. Therefore, I trust you. What is uh, really, uh, one of the joys today is to quote a man named Lloyd-Jones, who said in a book called Spiritual Depression, that one of our biggest problems is that we let the world preach to us instead of us preaching to the world. He says, we need, to, we need to think out loud. I do that. I, I go down the road and I pray out loud. I review a verse I'm trying to think through out loud. I'll go walking and I'll pray out loud. And one of the joys today is you can do that because of all these technological things and people just think that you're talking to somebody. Um, conversely, 40 years ago when I did it, people just thought I was weird. But today you can just talk out loud. just stop, just stop And and say, this anxiety hit me, but I say, there is a God who rules with a mighty hand. And this God who rules with a mighty hand has called me to be his obedient child. I call him Abba Father. He is my conquering Savior who died on the cross for my sin. He's the Holy Spirit who lives in me. Therefore, I will not fear. So, so that, that, that's one way. You may want to memorize Proverbs sixteen nine. One of the greatest statements in Proverbs it says this: "The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. There's nothing wrong with planning. You plan, you think ahead, but Abba Father, the living God who loves us, establishes our steps. We are people who walk before him. Don't waste this opportunity. Of growing deep and strong. Paul David Tripp wrote a book that was recently released entitled Suffering, and I read it last week. It's a very good book. And this is what he says in part, a couple of sentences. He says, But realizing we are not in control is also one of suffering's biggest blessings. The fear and pain of being out of control stand before us as doorways to something very good. It's only when we give up the delusion that we've been or can be in greater control that we can find rest in the Lord who is in control of our lives. And then he says this. It's quote. He says, It is only when we abandon our independence and we understand that our smallness and weakness aren't our greatest dangers. The greatest danger is the delusion that we are bigger and stronger than we are or ever will be. And so what he's saying is that times of anxiety or sufferings or isolation, coronavirus, is a time for us to say we trust God and God works in us. So these waves are going to hit. What do we do? We go to God and say, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit— I'm your obedient child. I trust you. Number two, he says, he says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Again, the mighty hand of God, which means God is at work in history. <clears throat> God is working in history. And also, in the proper time, he will exalt you or he will lift you up. He will lift you out of the problems, which means God is involved in. History and God is a work in your story. History and your story. The, 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 the incredible thought is, is that at the proper time, God will see us through this. This will not last interminably, forever. This has a beginning point while we're now and an end point. God will see us through. <clears throat> and, and whether it's just a period of history or when he list, takes us up to heaven, to the joy of heaven... God is God, and he's good. That's why when you really read history, and you drill down in history and study, for example, the 20th century, and how the tyrants of the 20th century, whether it was Hitler or Stalin or Mao Tongue or Pol Pot or their ilk, they all had one thing in common. They hated the church of of the Lord Jesus Christ because they said time and again, we cannot control them. Because when these thugs... These dictators said if you don't do this we'll take away these privileges and Christians say we must obey God and not man if you don't do this we'll put you in prison and Christians say we must obey God and not man because there's something waiting that is more glorious than this world it's called heaven and so they said we in prison if you don't do this we will kill you and the church has said throughout this history we must obey God and not man because something greater awaits so our, our confidence and our joy and our peace is that is that Either the Lord, in a historical short time, will lift us out, or there is an eternal glory awaiting us. Therefore, when anxiety hits, we say there's a mighty God who rules us. And this mighty God, in due time, will lift us out of this. Will put us on another place and push us forward. In Isaiah, Isaiah is pleading with the children of Judah to come back to God. Isaiah 41, he goes through this statement about the hard times were coming. And so there were, there were groups of people who were stirred up, it says in verse 2. And he says, this is what they did. The coastlands... Have, have, have seen and they are afraid and the ends of the earth tremble and they have drawn near and come and, and everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith and he who's smoothed with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil and saying, this is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. And so these people, when they see hardship coming, they look at each other and they say, be strong. And how are they strong? They're strong by making idols. And they say, look, it's good. We, we, have, we have people coming to invade us. Therefore, let's make an idol that, 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 that is against invasion from the north or, or invasion from the east or invasion from the south or, or from a naval warfare from the west. Is it Just, just be, be, be strong. And Isaiah says, how, how silly is all that? How nonsensical it is. And then this is what Isaiah says. I think it's his humor. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. Now, I read that. And I just wrote down an idol that has to be strengthened with nails and a leather strap to hold it in place is not worthy of my allegiance. I think one thing this is teaching us is that, is that the systems that we may lean upon and look to do not give us ultimate hope or satisfaction. The only one who gives us ultimate hope and satisfaction is the Lord. And see, the, the people are saying to each other, be strong, but there's no rationale for being strong. It's just be strong to be strong. And I think about people walking around today in our city and in our neighborhoods and our subdivision that we can see at a distance and they'll say, Be strong, and and you say, uh, sometimes you want to say, well, why be strong? And they'll say, well, it'll get better. And I say, why do you think it's going to get better? We say, be strong, because there's a God who has a mighty hand who's watching over his people. So I say to you, church, be strong. Be vigilant. And then Isaiah responds, and this is beautiful. Chapter 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from his father's corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. My friend, my chosen one, I brought you in, I brought you to myself. And then he gives this incredible promise, this chapter 41 and verse 10. Listen to this. He says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious or my righteous right hand. I love the I wills. I've chosen you. I've brought you in. I've done this. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hands. Two things from this. The first is this. Do not be historic amnesiacs. Let me explain. Do not ever forget that God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his steadfast love towards us. Understanding that the same God who has carried us last year and the decade before that and the decade before that carries us today. And we have great confidence and strength in that. One of the joys about getting older is that you just can trace the faithfulness of God. Sarah and I are very pleased to have three of our four parents living and they're all delightful people who love the Lord and they're in independent living facilities being taken care of by diligent kind people and we're so thankful for that and I try to call my parents every day just to check in on them whether it's coronavirus or not just say hi and uh, usually my dad gives the phone to my mom because she can hear a little bit better on the phone than he does but When when I talk to my dad, he's given me the same answer now as long as I can remember. I'll say, well, how are you doing, Dad? He'll be 95 in two months. And by the way, my mom and dad my mother-in-law are sharper than I am, which is not saying much, but they are sharper than I am. And I'll say, not not necessarily, but close. And I'll say to my dad, how are you doing, Dad? And this is his response every time. I'm doing good. We just got to take it one day at a time. That's our only option every time. I'm I'm doing good. Got to take it one day at a time. And I I laugh at that. And and yet, when I look back at my dad's life, I think about how he lived his life. Born in 1925 into a family that was, my, my granddad was a sharecropper and Eventually became a deputy sheriff, and my my dad, as a very little boy, a young man, lived with his family in the basement of the yetkin County Jail. And uh, my granddad was the the jailer, and my grandmama made food and cleaned the clothes of the prisoners every day. And I can tell you right now, they were the best fed, cleanest prisoners in America with my grandmama doing it. And they, he lived that was existence. They just, you know, just a farmer and deputy sheriff and he grows up and and at 18 the week after he turns 18 in 1943 he's drafted into world war ii he goes to europe and, and fights as part of a onslaught against the nazis in italy as they go up the peninsula and he comes home and he's lost a couple of his best friends in the war and starts working and marries my mom in 1948 and they Start a store and never made a whole lot of money, but we were comfortable. And they just year after year after year saw the faithfulness of God. And so, so, when my dad, with a clear mind at 95 years of age, can look back and say, You just take it one day at a time, really? He's quoting Jesus. Because Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 6, He says, Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. So, this so don't be anxious. Who by being anxious? he says, can add one hour to your life. And he says, and, and, and don't don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And then he, he, he looks at the, the, the beautiful natural flowers in Judea and he says, Solomon in all of his splendor did not match the beauty and the elegance of these wild flowers growing on the Judean hillside. He says, don't be anxious. He says, Don't worry about tomorrow. Today we'll have enough trouble, obviously. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What appropriate words for us today. So so don't become historic amnesiacs. I understand that God has been faithful. He is faithful. I've been celebrating this week just the faithfulness of God. As I've studied this passage, the second thing, as i said before, is that idols that have to be nailed down with hardware or held in place by leather straps do not deserve your ultimate allegiance. Only the living God does. So let me close by making three application statements. Number one, during times of anxiety, or all of life, Grow in the knowledge of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of my favorite Puritans is a man named Thomas Watson. He wrote a book called A Body of Divinity. But in it, he said, "I, I, I challenge the people to continuously understand the character of God. Because if you do, he says, you will not be feathery Christians. Christians that are blown here and blown there by winds of adversity or or anxious times or whatever, you'll be planted deep. And so I say one application when these waves hit and they will hit, is that we grow in the knowledge of God. Number two, we address these issues by embracing and knowing the word of God. Once again, when these anxious times hit, just stop and say, go to Isaiah forty one. God, you are the one who will strengthen me. You will help me. You will uphold me with your victorious right hand. Therefore, I will not fear. You have chosen me. You've brought me in. You are my God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And number three, don't waste these these days. Uh, These are days that are unique. So I mentioned last week, 131, let me say it again. We've been talking about we're the church. And number one, seek God daily and seek him first. Groom yourself in the scripture and in thoughts about God. Slowly read through key passages and think about the character of God. Uh, three, Make three contacts a day. Phone calls are great. Text messages, uh, emails. But, but reach out to people around you and just Encourage community, whether it's your man-to-man table, your community group, your women's Bible study. Just just do that. And, And then, one, as you talk to people and as you write them, say a good word for Christ and the hope of the gospel that comes into our lives. But once again, when these waves of anxiety hit, let us run to the character and the Word of God, the one whose mighty hand sustains us during these days. Let's pray. Lord, we are your people and the sheep of your pasture. And we ask now that on this Lord's day that you by the Holy Spirit would empower us and energize us afresh. In these days of isolation, uh, Lord, give grace to family units. I pray these these will be days when husbands and wives would be able to stop and slow down and talk and be together. That you would grow us deeper in our devotion to you, Lord Christ, and as we are devoted to you, we in turn can love those around us. That we would tenderly love our children or grandchildren who are around us or our friends or our parents. That that this will be a time of being in step with the Holy Spirit and having a syncopated understanding of what it means to walk in the way of Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would build us and strengthen us to walk in a manner that is worthy of you. We, we, we love you, and we thank you that we can come to you in Jesus' name. Amen.